This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Still Ricardo Fuller and he squeezed it in somehow. Charlton in front with just a quarter of an hour gone. And it's the man who started his English career at Crystal Palace who scored against the Eagles. Fourth of the season in Charlton Connors for Fuller. Fuller posing problems. He has support, but he's going to go it alone. And it needed the save from Sporonic. Touch that over the top. By Bailey and Delaney. To that danger area. It breaks for Kevin Phillips. Nearly a debut goal for the substitute, the new signing from Blackpool. Then it's launched long. In direction this time of Robert Zaha. This Palace game, of course, with the Manchester United player back on load, and he's done well here. He has O'Keefe arriving, free header inside the six-yard area, and it's wide from Stuart O'Keefe. And all Palace in the second half, but still no reward for them. This is promising, though. And this is the equalising goal, brilliantly taken by Glenn Murray. The top scorer gets the Eagles on terms. That's his 24th goal of an incredible season. And it had been coming. Dean Moxie who played him in. Space to take a touch and into the corner. Comes in for Glenn Murray, takes a touch and scores. Murray has done it again. Two goals in four minutes for Glenn Murray and Crystal Palace to turn around this London derby. And you can see what it means from the celebrations. That's the full-time whistle. That is a much-needed win for Crystal Palace. It's the second in 10 league games. They've beaten at home now, though, in 15 matches in all competitions. They've beaten their neighbours, Charlton, 2-1. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 999. That's 0203 4755 999. Someone's been busy with the uh, editing software, haven't they? <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Slow day, was it, Mikey? Anyway, um, hi, welcome to Homestar Radio. I am Chris Hambling, and I'll be your host for today for our review of the week's events. 
Uh, with me today are Mark Cross, <laughs> Nick Gillard, and Alex White. Evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening, Christopher. Hmm, Hello. Hello, Alex. Um, right, okay, all of those three are here to offer opinion and insight on everything we're going to discuss today. Uh, lurking in the background, we also have Barney Fox. Hi, Barney. Good evening. Yeah. Uh, Barney is here. He's a... Uh, well, hopefully he'll be joining the show in the future um, as a replacement for Mark Ross. Uh, <laughs> retiring. Mark's retiring. He's um, too old. A bit these days, yeah. But um, he's, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be adding some uh, a different opinion to the show. But um, when it, when he is officially on the show, we'll let him explain a bit about himself and what he's about. So, but when the moment comes today, um, I will try to remember to ask him a few questions. But um, just just have interest, Bonnie. Did you go to the Charlton game? I was there. I was there. First half. Don't get me started, but um, second half, we seem to pull out the bag. Absolutely. Well, okay, good stuff. Well, then, during our review of that, we'll have a little bit of a chat with you about your feelings in a bit more detail. But for now, we'll uh, we'll let you lurk and find out how we do things at Hull Radio. Fantastic. Uh, Alex uh, will also be organising all of your communication with us today. You can tweet us. It's at HOL Radio. Uh, you can email us. It's radio at homesdale.net. And give us a call 0203 4755 and press 1 to be put through to us. We'll do our best to answer that and sort of, well, that should be easy enough today. Um, there's the homesdale.net chat room. You can go wholeradio.net forward slash chat and there may be some people in there. That there should be by now. Uh, there's eight in there, Chris. Eight. That's, that's quite hot. But um, they talk all sorts of rubbish during the course of the show. Um, I'm well informed, but they also can communicate directly with Nick, who is monitoring it for us. Um, yes, apparently I am. You are. Yep, that's the agreement. That's the agreement. Um, if you, in the future, if you're listening on your PC at the moment, in the future, if you want to listen on a mobile device, if you go to holradio.net forward slash mobile, you can find out how. Um, last little call, we're playing a charity match uh, on Thursday um, against Five Year Plan in aid of the Jeff Thomas Foundation. It's a seven aside match. It might go up to eight aside with the amount of injuries floating about. But um, if you go to, we'd lo- love it if you could donate to our cause. We've already smashed our £250 target. I think it's 350 we've raised, but we want that to be more. It's a fantastic cause, uh, fight against leukaemia and blood cancer in general. Uh, wholeradio.net forward slash charity to uh, donate. And one of those lucky oh, donators, donate, oh, I don't know, whatever the word is, one of the people who's donated will win a signed shirt from the uh, Hillsborough Survival Day. I can hear myself. Why can I hear myself? That's a bit odd. Barney, can you do me a favour, mate, and mute? Mm, anyway, huh, running order tonight. <laughs> running order tonight is we'll talk about that disappointing night up at, um, away to Huddersfield at the John Smith Stadium. Uh, we'll be joined on the phone by former Palace star Simon Osborne. I'm going to chat about his career and I dare say we'll talk about Palace, uh, how they're getting on at the moment as well. Uh, Simon's quite uh, big in the local football scene as well. Um, we look back at an enjoyable day at Sellers Park yesterday where we sent the clowns home. Uh, they were most likely sent home in one giant car that broke down all the way and the doors were It's a classic. Uh, anyway, and the genius that is Mark Ross will take us through a preview of the Friday night sold-out game way to Watford. Um, we'll end the show with a round-up as much of your communication as we possibly can. Uh, the show should be roughly 75 to 90 minutes, I'd expect. Mm. Uh, but first up, it's news in brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is news in brief. 
had a striker, Kwesi Apaya, has gone to Yeovil Town on a one-month loan. Apaya spent much of his early career in, in non-league, but enjoyed a small, short spell under Glover's boss, Gary Brist, ex Bristol bloke Johnson, when he was in charge at Peterborough. The 22-year-old was snapped up by Championship Palace in January 2012 and has made one star and eight substitute appearances. Palace juncture Jason Banton has joined Plymouth Argyle on a youth loan until March the 2nd. Banton made his Palace debut against Stoke in the FA Cup third round tie back earlier this month and has been a consistently good performer for the club's development side, scoring three goals in 12 games. Midfielder Mila Jednak has suffered a cracked eye socket and broken nose following an Alan Lee elbow to the face. Andre Moritz is also out for two months with a damaged ankle following a shit Neil Dan's two-footed challenge that went unpunished by an incompetent referee. Jednak will have an operation this week and will be able to wear a protective mask from Friday with it being touch and go for him to make the game against Watford. News in Brave. It's a massacre. It's a massacre. C calm down. It's only a commercial. A commercial? What for? The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It's a party night being held at Sellers Park. A party night? Yes, there's a bar, a disco, and live entertainment throughout the evening. All for £15. That sounds great. When is it? It's on Friday the 15th of February. Ah, right after Valentine's Day. I get it. Who's it for? Palace supporters, you fool. Partners, family, all are welcome. I'm going. Where can I buy tickets? You can buy them online from www.studycentercpfc.org.uk or you can send a cheque to Sellers Park, marked for the attention of the CPFC Study Centre. So, no massacre then? No. No massacre. At least not until we batter Middlesbrough the following day. Oh, we love that that promo that we did. That's an absolutely amazing performance from John and Albert in there. I think you'll agree. It'd be such a shame when the uh, when the night's over and we can't listen to it anymore. We'll figure something else out. Uh, anyway, right, let's talk about Huddersfield. In fact, before we do, I just want to have a quick word with Nick and Mark in particular. Because um, the last show we did uh, was a little mini podcast that we had to add on at the end where we talked about the transfer window in general. But um, since Nick and Mark weren't involved in that, I want to get their thoughts on our signings in the transfer window, specifically the two signings we made on, on deadline day. Um, Mark, if I can start with you, like, what was your initial feelings when you, when you heard that we'd made the signing of, well, specifically Kevin Phillips? No use of hindsight where you've seen he's been good. All right, what yeah, was your that, thought? That would be easy. Yeah, that would be too easy. I, well, obviously, we knew that we desperately needed some cover or some help for, for Glenn Murray, and uh, I was delighted. I mean... For, for several reasons, because he's a proven goal scorer, whatever people go on about his age. And uh, I thought that he would be a great person to have around the club in terms of uh, helping to develop the youngsters. And uh, I just thought he would be a good influence at the club, you know. And I thought, you know, as you say, having watched his uh, sort of 45-minute cameo role on Saturday, I thought he was, he was class, personally. Uh, Dobby, um, I think, you know... Again, only got to see what, about 25 minutes of him. But I was quite impressed with what I saw. And I just think that the more bodies we've got in with the number of injuries and people away for various reasons, um, that, you know, the more bodies we've got, the more options we've got, better for the club all round. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, did Nick, 
did you feel in any way that, um, any way that um, the signing of, of Phillips was... Because obviously there was a lot of negativity around that window and, and I was just worried, wondering if, if maybe you felt a little bit of that ne- negativity. Not really. It was um, important that we didn't waste the Zaha cash, really. I think we've done the right thing going for the loans. We all know the loan laws. Do you want to remind us, Chris, the loan laws? I don't. I got quite cross about those pre-show, so I won't. <laughs> but I, I think they 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 were good signings. I mean, Dobby, I'd never really heard of uh, until his name got mentioned. So it's it's a bit of a mystery for me. Was, you know, is is it going to be another Murray or or is it going to be a bit of a flop? That's my initial thoughts. But um, mm. obviously, after after the game, that was um, fantastic. Um, yeah. Gegne, 78, in the chat room, said he was a bit disappointed we didn't get uh, Sylvan Events, Blake, Boyd, DJ Campbell, etc. But uh, EH, Loaning KP and Dobby was pure genius. I, w- I was just wondering with that, um, and perhaps uh, I'll talk about it now, but it's, it's kind of to do with the match, but a, a conspiracy theorist inside me said, oh, Holloway set us up to look bad so he could make his Wonder Men come on and put everything right. But, you know, that's a bit... <laughs> taking it a bit far but you know that's kind of a scripted hindsight version of it isn't it yeah no that's that's fair enough i mean <clears throat> just uh before i hand over to mark i think mark wants to make another point on that i i, I did get um we got a message from our friends over at um the seasiders podcast to obviously connections to to both those players to because dobby was on loan in 2010 and 2012 and and uh, kevin phillips is on loan from from blackpool and his uh, his initial comments were that uh, phillips's legs had gone and he was no longer a finisher um and he said that but uh, dobby will be a fantastic signing for you because he was instrumental in in them reaching the playoffs in you know in in those seasons so um it's well it's difficult to to sort of not have the benefit of hindsight um, I I kind of feel personally that that the signing of Dobby was was a was a classic kind of example of Holloway getting in a player who knows how he wants to play, but you know I was like everyone else I saw the signing of Phillips and I, I could see the sense in it and and what you know what he might offer but I just had no certainty he would. The only certainty I've ever had Kevin, with Kevin Phillips is that he would be brilliant against us whenever he played. So on that side, I guess I was really happy to see him sign. Uh, Mark, I want to bring you back in there. You had something to say. Uh, no, nothing m- much more to add except that, I, you know, just you know, as as you said, it's easy to talk about about the player after we've seen him play. But mm. um, he demonstrated that you don't have to be, you know, uh, have the pace or the skill of someone like Wilf or Yannick. You know, it's all it's all in his head. You know, he's got years of experience, and you could see he was looking for passes, looking for players. You know, that the whole as soon as the second half started the game was transformed, you know, and he created space. He look, was looking for players in space. And, and, his, and just from his experience, the whole side benefited and, and his impact was immense, you know, along with, along with the other two substitutions. Mm. Nick? Yeah, uh, just in the chat room, Andy A was talking about Jazz Richards says he seems to be a good move for us. Mm. Um, and I, I thought he did all right, especially coming forward. Um, somebody mentioned it. I think it might have been on Palace Radio that um, the difficulty he had against Huddersfield, and you, you went to the Huddersfield game, Chris, so you could kind of leave back this up or completely rubbish it. Um, there was a, Jazz Richards was on the ball, and he'd been so used to playing the Swansea way that there'd be somebody there all the time for him to pass to, and he just wasn't getting that. It said saying that it was more players off the ball. The, yeah, the off the ball playing yeah. uh, against Huddersfield rather than what we were doing on the ball. 
It's a, it's a very salient point, Nick, and, and it's one I'll come back to because we're going to obviously talk about Huddersfield yeah. any minute now. But very, very quickly, we do have a caller. Hello. 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 Hi there, who's that? Uh, hi, this is Jared. Hello there, mate. Hi, um, I just wanted to pretty much call about um, yesterday's performance, really. Mm. Okay, that's not um, right. Sorry? I said, no, you, you go right ahead. Um, yeah, I think that um, yesterday really was a was a proof of how how Holloway has changed. The team is he's made it his team now, and I think under Dougie, without any disrespect to him, I think we'd have just folded, and I don't think we'd have been able to sort our little dip of form out before the end of the season. So I think that um, I think that, that he's done he's done very very well to um, to sort us out really. Uh, especially with, yeah. No, I was just saying. No, I, I couldn't. You know, I completely agree. But I think what we saw for the first time was was Ian Holloway was able to make a change to Dougie's team and to bring, you know, to bring the kind of guys in that he wanted. Um, because he's, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you've witnessed it yourself. Ian Holloway's teams, he's always always had an, an option to change things dramatically. And in, in the last few weeks, we've seen that when we needed to change, you know, we've looked to the bench and. We've also had we've had Johnny Williams on, of course, who is brilliant and able to come off the bench and make a real difference. But up front, it's been a it's a case of Easter and Wilbraham, and with the greatest respect to both of those, they've not performed in a Palace shirt. And to be able to bring on Phillips and and Dobby made a huge difference. Do you feel? Don't. Yeah, I think I think Dobby as well. I think he. I think um, looking at a lot of I looked at uh, I must admit I do look at Brighton's forum occasionally. Mm. And a lot of them were really, really slagging, slagging Dobby off, saying he's their fifth choice striker, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> One, I think he's a midfielder. And two, I thought his little cameo appearance, I thought he was really sublime. I think, um, I think that shot he had where, where Hamer tipped it over, I thought, yeah. um, I thought that really did remind me of Darren Ambrose a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout actually. Because I mean, we haven't had really had that threat. Moritz from a, from a dead ball, maybe um, you know, in in the one game really. But yeah, it was an absolutely stunning strike. I watched it back on the highlights today, and don't think I appreciated how good it was at the time. But um, you're right; he, he added a totally different dimension, and it wouldn't be the first time a, a player that sort of Brighton let go um, would come back to haunt them. Maybe sadly, he can't play in the uh, the away game uh, with them because it's technically alone. So. Uh, Nick, I, don't you wanted to think, make um, I don't think, Jared, though, we can get too excited. Well, we will. We, we will get excited. But, you know, it's only one game. Um, look, hopefully it's not a one-off. Hopefully they can perform week in, week out. And that'll be the real test, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think now we've just got to look at, at Friday now. Because um, if we can halt their, their run of form, Watford, that is, if we can halt their run of form, then... I think that really could set us up for a, for a massive push at the Altman places because we're only a couple of points off there. I mean, yes, we have had that little blip in form, but but I think with the couple of little additions Holloway's got into the team now that that are well proven because Dougie, whereas the signings he's made, he's probably been young and experienced players who are unproven, maybe uh, in League One, League Two. I mean, don't get me wrong, a couple of little additions he brought in were very good, but I think right now we need some experience over youthful exuberance, maybe. Mm. Well, absolutely, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think um, 
well, if we could sort of end this with, with this, really, that um, it, the automatic places, it, it's amazing with the run of form, the blip that we've had, that we've not fallen further away from them for a start. And I think it shows you how difficult this division is. But, I mean, the, the secret of our success before was putting, the, putting results back to back, wasn't it? It was never... We weren't just nicking a win here and there. It wasn't like a win draw, win draw. We just had win after win after win. And obviously, we all took the mick at the game, saying you know it's getting boring, <laughs> you know, winning every week. We, it never does, but it, it just kind of felt you felt every week turning up that you were going to win. And for whatever reason, and, and like it has, it has been a case, I guess, of injuries, and it has been a case of you know maybe one or two struggling for, for form, and in particular, Wilf having his head turned and having the, the transfer to Man United hanging over him. So all of those things kind of contributed to us struggling a little bit but you're right if we can go to Watford and dig in like we know we can because they're going to be flying they are absolutely flying at the moment um but if we can get a result there any kind of result and and, and maybe put back-to-back wins together I think you're right we think automatic is very much back on the cards um, I'm going to say thank you very much for your, for your call today, mate. We're um, obviously going to move on pretty quickly to talk about Huddersfield, unfortunately. But um, thank you so okay. much for, and for listening. See you later. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Um, okay, guys. Well, let's let's move on and talk about Huddersfield. Um, you mentioned first. Well, you you mentioned Nick yeah, and the, the the idea of the you know Jazz Richards having having problems to pass having people to pass to and and if, to be honest that situation on its own sums up the issues we, we had against Huddersfield we just we looked awful um we really really did I was furious about it in a, sorry Chris is mm. it awful in a way that we looked awful in the first half yesterday or awful in yeah a different yeah way? no it was it was so reminiscent watching us in the first half watching it was it's all about it's about movement really it's about options you know, you can you can forgive people misplacing a pass, but when people are misplacing passes or giving the ball away because they don't have options, you know, I'm not saying it's. I think it's more of a, it's a confidence thing because when you're confident and people want the ball, they they you know they it's a lot lot easier for the guys at the back to find a pass. But unfortunately, guys at the back could never find a pass, and it was always a case of. They, Huddersfield did an absolute job on us. They they knew exactly what they were pla- wanted to do. What they wanted to do was start, like press from the front, never give anyone any time in possession, disrupt our game from from minute one, and they did it brilliantly. We we struggled to string more than three or four passes together, and very very quickly started playing along, and and that's where the game was lost. And it was the sort of game where I mean at half time, I just thought to myself, I, I just. I don't see where where this is coming from. I was in a foul mood for the entire second half because I kind of just saw it coming. I think, you know, I hate to say it, but but it's the first time in a long, long time that I can honestly say we got we probably we probably deserved to lose by by even more. Uh, but there were obviously there were bad things around that game. I mean, look, end of the day, James James Vaughan got the goal. Who wants to? You know, we don't want to dwell too much on that. Um, but it was kind of like a nightmare revisit of, of a lot of ex-Palace players. Vaughan got the goal, didn't celebrate to his credit, but he's the one who scored. Neil Dans crocked Moritz with a with a two-footed lunge. Well, it wasn't even lunge, basically jumped on his ankle. Didn't even get a free kick, let alone a card. Um, and then Alan Lee decides he's going to swing one of his giant Alan Lee elbows into the face of uh, Jednak. And, and watching that from the... Stan, obviously, we're already one nil down. It's right at the end of the game, and you can see Jednak sort of clutching his eye at the side, and see Alex Manos going absolutely crazy at Alan Lee when they walked off the pitch, and and obviously there was a huge problem in the tunnel with a 
with you know fighting and, and Holloway wanted to wanted tried to get Jednak into uh, the home dressing room to show what he'd done. It's a lot of all sort of ill feeling, and I think he said that they were called we were called Southern Softies by them and stuff like that. It just makes you wonder what the hell was going on. But that was their that was their tactic for beating us, and and it worked for whatever reason. It was observed that they celebrated like they'd won the FA Cup or something. But it, yeah, it was it was one of those nights. It was it was it was horrible. Um, I've just noticed a comment in there that you've put there, Nick, from uh, a quick game. If you want to read it out for us. Yeah, he says Huds was a kick and run game, like watching twelve-year-olds playing football. Yeah, oh, yeah you know, is that twelve-year-old girls or twelve-year-old boys playing football? Quick game. Yeah, have to ask him. But um, don't think it it works. It matters either way, really, mate. To be honest, it is it, absolutely right. It's a very succinct way of putting it. it. It wasn't in any way keeping with the way that, that Palace have played for a long, long time. And it sparked some interesting <laughs> debates about long ball. Um, sorry, say that again, Nick. Sorry, did we try to change it like LA yesterday? Or, well, or just the same dirge all the way through. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it, it, it illustrated the problems that we had uh, in the, of course, of course, um, Ian Holloway tried to change it. You know, he always makes at least two substitutions, at, you know, at the same time, uh, if he has the options. Obviously, Williams had already come on right at half time because of the challenge of Moritz. Um, and, you know, Williams was probably one of the, the few bright sparks in that game. But you know, about seven, uh, well, probably about fifteen minutes to go or so. Uh, like the two fullbacks were taken off Richards and Parr, uh, and Wilbraham and Easter came on. Now, in that, if you can sort of go back to what we were talking about with Jared, it was instead of Wilbraham and Easter coming on the pitch, if you'd been able to bring on Dobby and Phillips, I, I think we'd have got back into it because basically it was exactly the same as that first half uh, we saw against Charlton. Murray didn't get the ball. So therefore, we didn't really look like a threat, um, and no one had any, anyone to pass to. Uh, Balassi looks out of sorts. Uh, Zahar looks out of sorts. Um, you know, Jednak was was trying to run the whole midfield because you know Butterfield hasn't quite settled yet. Um, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, you, you you watched that and you feared for us. You sort of thought, you know, if we if if we're going to play like this every week, then then people are going to get on the managers back, and people are going to start getting on the boards back even more than they were. Um, and I think, unfortunately, it was one of those games that just led led to, almost led to the hysteria that we saw on transfer deadline day with abuse flying everywhere at owners and players alike and all sorts of stuff. It, it really it felt like a real low, a real negative, and I'm so happy think, to say um, that that changed. People wanted us to spend the wealth money, mm. and it's going out. It might be going towards the stadium, and you know, it's not 10 million. It's you know, players have their cut out of that, don't they? And agents get their cut, so it's not going to be the full 10 mil. And I think they're mm. playing it safe because you could, they either go out and buy a premiership striker and hope we go up, or they buy a championship striker that might not cut it in the premiership, so we've wasted our money and who's, you know, so let's just loan it and see where we are come, come June, July, and then yeah. spend the money. And yeah, I think that's yes. what they've done. Yeah, well, yeah, it's what they've done, but not really out of choice in some ways. Um, I, you know, I think given the chance to to have spent a decent amount of money on a decent player, they would have done. But you know, it, it's relatively well documented whether people want to actually read it or not um, as as to how we missed out on on various people. I mean, obviously, we all know about the George Boyd situation, um, and and we know about the sort of money that play, like Ebanks Blake's out of contract in the summer, and they're turning down a million for him. And you're thinking, no, he's, he'll, he'll walk out of there for nothing at the end of the season. He's not going to stay at Wolves when they're as down low as they are and not really competing. He's, he's going to have a, have a choice of a few clubs. And 
you look at someone like um I mean, Nick Blackman was was the one um, that that shocked the hell out of me. I was very surprised to see him go to Reading because I was surprised to see us targeting him. I was uh, a bit disappointed today when I was um, listening to Five Live, and uh, I think Dundee game was on. It was today or yesterday, and the guy we were linked with there scored. Is it Johnny yeah. Russell? Was it Johnny Russell scored? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I don't know whether we were even in for him. To be honest, I, don't, I really don't. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when Nick when Nick Blackman, if the the word from Steve Brower on BBS, he said that Nick Blackman would have would have cost a million quid, and would have he's the contract he was after would have been more than anyone currently at Palace is on, and that's a League One player who scored thirteen goals and effectively done nothing before that. So not saying he's not a good player, you know, he's now a Premier League player. But I mean, honestly, I don't. It's, it's it, when you see that's this is the the January window is it it's it forces people into a situation where they have to panic and the selling clubs when you know know what what their situation is unless they're desperate to get money in to go and do moves themselves if it's a player they don't particularly want to sell and, and they think that the you know the buying club's desperate they can just push it and push it and push it and everyone moans every season every single transfer window be it the the, the January one or the or the summer window, and they always say, oh, why are we leaving it so late? It's an obvious answer. If you look around, everyone leaves it late. You know, everyone try. The, the big clubs can get their moves done, and the players that don't have an awful lot of interest can get their moves done, but we're fighting for for the, you know, we've, we've sort of 20, well, we're fighting with the lower half of the premiership and, and the entire of our division for, for a handful of decent players that might be available for a decent fee. It's absolute madness. <clears throat> Uh, very, very quickly, Mark, we haven't talked to you at all. Very, uh, we've got about three minutes before I want to ring Simon um, Osborne. So can we um, sort of talk about the, the long ball situation? Um, a lot of people were being very critical of the style and indicating that it was, you know, it, it was a conscious decision to play long ball rather than it be a lack of options or a lack of confidence. What's your thoughts? Well, um, obviously I wasn't at Huddersfield. I did listen to the game. Uh, it sounded abysmal, both uh, on the radio and obviously for those who are watching. Um, well, to me, long ball kind of smacks of desperation, really, doesn't it? Like last resort kind of football. We're not we're not making any headway through plan A. Well, have we got a plan B? And if we haven't got a plan B, who fit? It's, that's kind of how I sort of summarise it in, you know, sort of 30 mm. seconds or something. But it kind of... Um, it doesn't suit our game. We've got we've got players. We we've got a team or a squad, should I say, that are quite capable of playing good football on the ground. We don't really need to resort to long ball. Right? You know, you might be a goal down or whatever, and five minutes to go, and you might have, you know, be looking for a target man in the box. Maybe you know, mm. like Murray or 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 Phillips or something like that to get on the end of a, a ball. But to start um, playing, you know, like most of the match, even first half against Charlton yeah, yeah, we were just thumping balls I mean the, the passing was just abysmal wasn't it in the first half I mean we just couldn't string a pass together and then I think what happens is all the confidence seeps out of the players especially the newer players or the players on loan I don't know whether it's because they're not that bothered or they are bothered because they're not playing well you know they, it seems like they've got extra pressure for different reasons the loanees Butterfield for one he had an awful game uh, but as soon as the sort of basic passing uh, game was f- failing or basically we were, we were going sideways then mm. backwards and then across and then sideways and backwards kind of then it seems like 
you know, it goes back to Jules and then it's punted down the field and their centre-back wins it and, and kind of, you know, there's no, there's no creativity at all. And, and I think, I think it, you know, being on a poor run, I think that, that also contributed to, to, you know, the, I think there was tension among the fans, there was tension on the pitch. And, and I think that was you know, reflected by the game. Um, Mark, someone isn't paying attention to our uh, little off-air comments where we tried to. We were trying to advise Mark on how much time he had left to speak. So we wanted to ring Simon Osborne. He wasn't, wasn't up for that, were you, mate? Anyway, no, no, you're absolutely right, mate. It was good insight onto, onto what, you, what we were talking about and what the problems were that people were having. But unfortunately, we'll leave it there. I'm sure we'll pick it up when we talk about the style of play against Charlton. Um, very, very quickly, uh, we'll take, talk about the five-a-side game that's happening on Thursday once more. Um, it's, it's a charity match in aid of the Jeff Thomas Foundation. We'll be playing against uh, our friends over at Five Year Plan. In a very competitive, friendly game, if there is such a thing. Um, it's on Thursday night, uh, kicking off at 8.30. We're going to try and do some sort of recording in some way about you know about the game. But basically, the idea is it's, it's fundraising. So if you want to donate to that cause, it's wholeradio.net. That's holradio.net forward slash charity. And it'd be great How's your uh, injury, Chris? Are you going to be playing? It's touch and go, mate, to be honest. I know that's the big news everyone's after. I'm, uh, you know, I had a, had a slight minor tear on my calf. That's which thing in time I was born now. So, um, we'll come back to that later on. Um, hello. Hello, Simon. It's Chris Hambling on Whole Radio. How are you? Hey, you You right? Yeah, not too bad at all. You're on live straight away. I don't know if any of that was ever explained to you. It probably wasn't. So. Don't worry, Do you... mate. Not a problem. I won't swear. I promise. Hey, you can, you, you, well, we're allowed three swears each. That's our philosophy. Um, oh, I've used one. Oh, one tonight, yeah? Good. Yeah, got a couple before you struck out. Exactly. Exactly, mate. Anyway, um, with me uh, helping out questioning, I've got Mark and Nick, and potentially Alex, if his internet connection holds long enough. Um, oh, well, I can't make no problem. Right, just so, but um, I'll start us off. I mean, it's, um, well, uh, obviously, I, I remember you coming through. I'm um my sort of, sort of period of starting supporting Palace has pretty much coincides with your emergence on the scene, really. You come through our, our youth system at a, a time where the club was sort of starting its most ex- uh, successful period in, in, his, in its history. Um, so, I mean, what would you say, who, who, the, who was the biggest influence at that time as, as you rose through and became a professional player? I'd be honest, I probably couldn't name one. There was, there was so many characters at the time and, and players there that... Uh, you looked up to, you know, obviously as a midfield player, there was uh, the likes of Andy Gray, Jeff Thomas, for myself that were playing at that particular time, but then you had the likes of, you know, Ian Mike, Mark Bright, uh, when I very first started, people like Gavin Neville, they were really good pros, so yeah, there's too many, you try and take a little bit out, I mean, Mark Bright was sort of the ultimate professional, um, really good trainer, fantastic to have, obviously with a young age, very hard, I get me wrong, and, and talks a few lessons, but he was, um, at the time, he, you, you know, you take away and ask a question to any of those guys that you looked up to. Um, so, they're, they're, like I said, there was far too many that you could sort of put one on it, but, you know, they, they were all great to be around and, and, like I said, I wouldn't swap it for the world of, of any club. Mm. Did you, uh, I, I seem to remember Mark Bright telling us that you were, uh, you were his boot boy for a while. <laughs> I don't know, only a little bit. I mean, my boot boy, I really was like, I come to try and remember. Now, Chris Powell was obviously... I used to clean Chris's boots. Ian Evans at the time, obviously the assistant manager I'd done, is Glenn Penny father. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. was another one. Um, yeah, I had those sort of guys in, in my first year of apprenticeship and then sort of covered in the second year of my apprenticeship when any mum was sort of off. I sort of um, 
was uh, given a, a title of head agent. I if, if that's a, a job title. I'm not sure, but it basically, if anyone was ill or off or, or somebody had an extra pair of boots, it's kind of got lumbered with me. <laughs> I, I feel for you there. My dad used to have a news agents, and I'd be the, the spare paper boy. I'd do my own round, and then if any, anybody never showed up, I'd have to do theirs as well. Oh, and it'd yeah, be a nightmare. So you had the same with boots. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if it was a, it was a help or a hindrance. I'm not sure if it was an actual good job title or a bad one. You know, it was, yeah. uh, it was kind of whoever wasn't able to do their jobs, so I kind of filled in. So it could have been anything really on the day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you swear them when they're sitting. You'll go, no, they're not. They're watching Jeremy Kyle in their pants. There's nothing wrong with them. <laughs> Jeremy Kyle was about then, mate. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's true. It was a long time ago. Anne long and Nick, ago, whatever yeah. it was. Ford. Anne and Nick. That's that's it, yeah. long, long time ago, that was Steve Koppel you broke through under. He's, you know, he's, he strikes me as being quieter than Dougie, Dougie Friedman, which is a bit of a bit of a feat in itself. And uh, I've met him on a couple of occasions. He's, he's uh, very thoughtful, isn't he? Did that really come across when you were coming through? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, he was only uh, relatively young, wasn't he, at the time of yeah. when I was coming through as an as apprentice there. And not long, obviously, we tried through injury. So he was, he, you could tell he was uh, very thoughtful. He knew what he wanted to do. Don't get me wrong, when he got on the pitch, he was having a game um, and he was playing in that game sometimes, he'd join in. You could see, you know, what, what a fantastic player he was and he'd run up and down in the enthusiasm he had. But that was the kind of time, once he went sort of off that pitch, he was... He was thoughtful. He wanted to know what was going on. He was obviously, you know, constantly thinking about what he wanted to do and what players he would like to bring in. And, you know, we played a certain way that people didn't like it, particularly at that time. Mm. Um, we like to get the ball forward. We like to get it across in the box. You know, when you've got two strikers at the time of Mark Brighton and Mike's quality, we all wouldn't want to be playing too many balls across the back because those two guys would be going nuts and sort of saying, you know, get it up here, get it up to us, let us go and score goals and, and, and we'll win games. And, and it worked, you know. It was... Uh, in some respects, not direct, but it was it was it was get it up there, get it wide, and get balls in the box. Mm. It, was, it was simple football. Let's put it that way. It was simple football. Yeah, effective though, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, okay. Simon, when you've got, when you've got two guys up front that score goals, it it, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, Mark, you wanted to. Yeah, no, I was going to ask oh, sorry, Simon, like career-wise. Yeah, I was going to say uh, you were awarded. More than a young player of the year in the eighty nine ninety season, and on 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 looking back now, would you say that at the time you felt like you'd arrived, you'd made it at that moment? And then the second part of the question was kind of like, do you feel that when you get an accolade such as young player of the year, and and you are uh, of that age, that is actually it's it's not necessarily always a good thing as a player. You know, like it does affect you, it puts pressure on you. Do you feel well, that? Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, it was great to get our award. Did I think I'd made it? Definitely not. Um, it was great at a time that we obviously had the South East Counties. We managed to, to win the league that season um, by, by quite a significant margin. And it, it was great as an accolade of that. Did I think I'd make it? No. Did I, would the guys around me or those in that let me think I'd made it? Certainly not. It was um, it was nice to have. I don't think it put any any pressure on me. I think it was... It was fortunate, obviously, that I'd signed professional that season as well, which was great, and, and was in and around the first team training with them. But um, at no point then did I ever think, that's it, I'm done, I've, I've, I've made it, I'm resting on my laurels. Uh, and for the pressure-wise, I think you only put pressure on yourself, really. Like I said, you know, that was, for me, I was, uh, I was 18. I was at a club that was local to me. I could walk to the ground, so on and so forth. And I think it was just a, 
that was the, the first stepping stone for me to try and push on. You know, I hadn't really made it into the first team, although I'd been in and around it. My, my real goal was to try and get in that first team and, and play games. And that was the, you know, I took it sort of one step at a time uh, and never looked any further than sort of the next game or the next season even. It's a fair comment. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I you know, I always wonder, we always... You know, Palace, especially because of the way the youth system is, you always wonder that you hear hear about this kid who's, kid who's going to come through, and then you kind of don't really see him. And I wonder, just sometimes, particularly in the modern game, it's just so dangerous when you start giving that player attention and bigging them up, and they don't always have the attitude that you have or had um, at the time, and maybe don't make it. Do you think that is that it can be a danger? I think so. I think that's a fair comment. And like I said, I think it. You know, certainly as you look into the Premier League now, how many of those players um, make it through into the first team? I think Palace is a fantastic blueprint of what you've got. You know, we've got local talent um, making it through. And obviously, you know, it's highlighted at this moment in time with obviously the money that they've just got for Wilfred. So that, you know, that does prove that it works. Um, but like I said, it, it can also be a hindrance. You know, as you get mentioned, you're a local lad, all of a sudden you're this next big thing. Unless you've got the right people around you, not necessarily agents, but I think family, um, yeah. friends possibly that can keep you level-headed, keep you on the right path, keep you obviously motivated of what you're going to do, and not the attitude that yeah, I've made it now. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a footballer. Um, I think too many people possibly see it as a job title, and that's where it gets a little disappointing, you know, with with certain players that don't really see it as, as a stepping stone. You know, Wilfred's obviously made the stepping stone up. He's been fantastic for Palace. Palace have got a fantastic amount of money for him, probably that as a business you can't turn down. Um, now, hopefully, he can go on to that next level where people can actually look back at, at Palace and go, that was a fantastic grounding for somebody who's now gone on to be a, a fantastic Premiership star. And I think that's what the youth setup should be doing. Absolutely. Now, it's, it's the first time in a long time that we've had a direct move that I've thought, that actually justifies it. Now, it's re- you're right, it's really, really nice to see. Um, going back to that, that season, really, that you broke through and got that young player of the year, that, that was the sort of same season that the team actually lost, well, was not well 9-0 to Liverpool, then went on to beat them in the FA Cup semi-final. Obviously, sadly, you missed out on a, a place in the squad for, for that final. But, I mean, do you understand at the time how that team could turn, in, in the space of a season, could turn a 9-0 defeat into a, you know, a fantastic 4-3 win, one of the most amazing wins in the club's history? No, not really. I mean, the 9-0 was um, against the Liverpool team at the time that were just coming to the end of what for them was a fantastic era. They were a, a very, very good side. I'm going to lie, obviously, I made my debut, didn't I, the following season. Mm. Um, been a 3-0 defeat at Anfield, and they yeah. had some, some, some real good, good players. But the type of guys that were in the dressing room at that time certainly wouldn't have let that affect them. You know, there, there were some strong characters in there. Um and although it was very, very disappointing at the time, they certainly bounced back off of that. And, and like I said, I think it was that that four three was probably a massive, a massive, massive thing for, for bookies at the time or whatever as the underdogs coming through, um, and possibly the people, you know, the Liverpool's thinking that it was going to be a stroll. I'll be blatantly honest. And um, mm. you know, we went out there that day. Like I said, we were fortunate to be um, sort of all in the squads, if you know what I mean. And, and when we was able to, to to experience going up to Villa Park and and all the rest of it with it. And, um, you know, coming back, it was crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm a local lad, so, you know, round and about Croydon, Sellers, all those places, it was madness. Absolute madness. Um, yeah, Nick, sorry if I can bring you in there. You've got a question. <laughs> <laughs> he had a question. He's gone. He's disappeared. 
This is happening a lot. Maybe I'll I'll answer, I'll ask it for him. I'm nice like that. Um, yeah, no, mate. I mean, sort of, sort of following on from that. Really, that that you you featured, like you say, you made your debut the next season, and that was the that's the season we got our, our best ever finish, sort of third in the top tier. We ended up going through going through that season, being found members of the Premier League. But obviously, as the team kind of broke up, unfortunately. But I mean, those few seasons that pretty much up until the point that you, you left the club, that was the the very definition of the. The, well, I can hear myself now. Brilliant. The very definition of the Palace roller coaster uh, sort of thing, you know, the whole. Um, but I mean, that team of 1991, uh, was it as good as people remember? Was it as good as everyone remember? Sorry, I just got. Yeah, sorry, mate. I'm bit. getting so many problems. I'm just. I'm going to get those all yeah, sorted out. What, no, it was. I mean, it, you know, obviously, like you said, we finished third. I think we beat Man United. I managed to play sort of four or five games, games that season. And yes, it, you know. Some of the players at that particular time were probably playing at the peak, uh, with the exception, obviously, of one or two that went on and obviously done great things. But, mm. you know, it, it was a good team that were playing a certain way. Everybody knew what they were doing. And um, it was just a joy, like I said, you, for me, as a ground and as an education, I probably couldn't have got any better. Um, training day in, day out with these guys, uh, passing on their knowledge, moaning at you constantly because they <laughs> could moan, trust me. Oh, um, yeah. But it was, you know, that they, they they were a team that certainly at that time were, were right sort of up there. Like I said, we were unfortunate that year, if you remember, that we didn't get into Europe. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, it was. It was the uh, obviously Liverpool were allowed back in, weren't they? That's right. Yeah, uh, we didn't really fight it, and I know there's still probably still a lot of resentment at, at, amongst the fan base now that we didn't put any kind of a fight up. But um, it's amazing now to think now that a team that finished third in the top tier doesn't. Doesn't get any kind of a European acknowledgement. Bizarre. Yeah, that's right. Bizarre. But, yeah. um, anyway, hopefully now Nick is back. Nick can read uh, read out. <laughs> yeah, the, the side eventually broke up, didn't it? Alan Smith came in, and for some Palace fans, it was quite contra- controversial. What, how was he as a manager for you? What, was there a big was difference it? between him and Koppel? Uh Yeah, there was a difference. You know, obviously Alan um, was my youth team manager, sort of thing. Come as us when I first moved into it into the club so I had a, uh, a lot to do with Alan and I owe Alan uh, an enormous amount of um, respect to what he did and, and didn't do for my football career but, um, it just it came in um, he, he sort of took over and we had the season there when obviously we got promoted and it was a, it was a frustrating season for me really I, I kind of forced my way for the pre-season and managed to sort of get myself back in because every time he actually comes in left to sort of uh, even though they're coming from, from the club itself, you have to sort of reassert yourself and, and make sure you're one of the people that get picked. And then I literally got injured 10 minutes into the, the, the first game of the season. I tried me at home and, and dislocated my shoulder again, which had happened previously. So I um, sort of spent eight weeks out. And to be honest with you, it was a frustrating season for me because I felt I could play and I, I felt I would fit into the way we were playing. But it just didn't really happen. I sort of flitted in and out and, and got a little bit frustrated. I and mean, we certainly had the... Uh, we certainly had our differences, myself and Alan, that year. So uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be the first or last person to have differences, with Alan. No, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it, it happens. It's football, and I, I'm frustrated at the time. I, I wanted to play. I just wanted to play football for, for Palace, and, and I just wanted to play every week, and I wasn't. And, and you know, you get frustrated, and and that you know things come out. So mm, I thought it was time for me to leave. Yeah, obviously. I mean, that was that was kind of the the, the, next, the next question I had. I mean, I did want to make a point. So, when and funny enough, when we announced that um, we were going to be interviewing you this week, someone sent us a message straight away saying, 
that you were his captain for 10 years at Palace on Championship Manager 93-94. And just, just put it into my brain. I remembered that, yeah, you, you're, you, you're a great player for Palace in that, se- in that season we've just talked about in Championship Manager. And it just, I was actually furious at the time like, as, 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 a, as a young kid. Um, for you, you were sold to, I think it was Reading, and I think the fee was 90, 90 grand. And I was just absolutely sick at the time thinking what an absolute waste it was. And it was only it wasn't much later on that you started transfer, transferring for a million quid and stuff, and it was found it very very frustrating. But I mean that obviously was very 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 low fee. But I mean you told us what sparked the move away. But I mean if it was it any one thing was it your desire to get away more than it was uh, maybe a falling out with Smith, or was it just come together as a combination of those things? I think it was a combination of all of it, really. You know, I'd, I'd played sort of towards the end of it, and, and uh, my contract had actually come up. Um, at an end, obviously, so that the, the year before, just sort of Bosman was coming in, so my contract had ended. Um, we'd had discussions about extending it and whatever else, and it hadn't really, you know, I didn't get the answer that I wanted regarding football, really. It's, it's not a, at those particular times, there certainly wasn't the money around in it. And I, um, I actually came back in pre season, basically, because you contracted to do that. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anyway, as a player at that time, but yeah. um, I'd, I'd sort of made my mind up that really I wanted to go. So I trained for a little bit. Um, then there was an inquiry, obviously from Reading, and they said, "Can I pop across there?" I, I sort of went across, trained a couple of days, played in the game, and, and they said that they would like to sign me. But obviously, we had to sort the money out between myself and Palace. I coming back to Palace for a bit, and then eventually signed for Reading. I think it was about a week before the season started. So it was it was a decision based on all of us. Um, we'd obviously gone back in the Premier League. I probably could have re-signed and sort of sat there and maybe played some games, maybe not. But I just wanted to play regular football. Uh, Reading had just got promoted, obviously, into the Championship, first division as it was then, or whatever it was, the Championship, I think it was. And I just felt that, talking to the manager and whatever else, I thought that he was going to show a lot of belief in me and I'd play, I'd play games week in, week out. And I think that was at the time I, I wanted to do that and, and prove that I could play at that level so you know it did like I said I went, I went across there they signed me for 90,000 and a year later fortunately made, made money out of me and sold me for sort of one and a quarter million yeah yeah uh, I mean on the, on your season with, with Reading hopefully Mark is there with a question for you Mark I'm getting really uh, yeah. worried <laughs> no I'm, I'm losing my connection here as well oh, okay. um, yeah I mean I, what I was going to say was I was just like, because I looked over your career this afternoon and I was thinking, you know, a million pounds even back in those days was a lot of money. And I was just wondering, like, how much pressure you felt with a million pound transfer fee or was it like flattering to be, you know, moving for a million or were you not phased by that? It was just you wanted to play football and that was the most important thing. Did it hold you back in any way? 
Uh, no, I don't think I'll be back. Looking back at it, possibly the move to QPR wasn't the right move at a particular time, maybe. That, that would be the only downside of it. I looked at it, that, you know, I was moving to a premiership club. I played with Reading. Obviously, Reading had accepted the offer. There was no animosity there between myself and Reading. Obviously, I had a great year there. We should have been promoted into the Premier League, and in which case, you know, things may have been different. Obviously, that year we finished second. It was the year the Premier League was readjusting, so only one team went up and one went up in the playoffs. Um, so we'd finished second. Uh, they obviously were looking to try and move out of ground, so they sold us. And then I, I, you know, I had a couple of clubs that were interested in me at the time, and then moved to QPR, which, in hindsight, never could never quite worked out. But I don't think it, it didn't work out because of the transfer fee, and it put me under any undue pressure. I just think at that particular time, maybe it wasn't quite the right move for me, and. Looking back at it, maybe I should have gone somewhere else at that particular time. But, you know, that's hindsight, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Yes, we all know yeah. that, that, that things could have been differently. But, no, I didn't feel any, any, any pressure when I went there for, for a million pounds. And, obviously, I didn't feel any of that when I left there and went to Wolves. I think, you know, yes, it was a lot of money at the time. But, you know, relative transfer fees now, it's, it's peanuts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. No, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, like you say, you, you Mark McGee sort of it was previously your manager at Reading, wasn't he? Uh, took you yeah. to to Wolves. I mean, obviously, you joined QPR at a very sort of difficult time for that club as a whole. I think really, and I think that probably had a lot to do with it. But I suppose Wolves was probably the first time you you, you basically settled at a club for a long period. I mean, you were you were at Reading for a while, but in terms of just getting games on, you know, regularly season after season, Wolves was really it, wasn't it for you? And the, the team was sort of working really hard to gain promotion. You know, missed out a few times, memorably. I think Palace uh, knocked you out of the playoffs in '97. Um, but I mean, is it fair to say that's probably the most consistent spell of your career? Uh, I would say that, it's, like I said, other than Palace, they're the two clubs I've spent the longest time at, uh, most definitely. And like I said to you, I, I enjoyed playing week in, week out, and obviously Mark and, and Colin Lee and whatever else. And, and yeah, I would say that. Uh, barring the little bits and pieces until I got sort of the other sort of knee injury and once I got that sorted out yeah I would say you know it was certainly the most consistent I played over a period of time Nick you had a comment yeah yeah, Chris mentioned Mark McGee taking you back to a club. That kind of has some resonance for us with Kevin Phillips and Stephen Dobby coming coming to Palace. Um, how, how, what does that feel like going going back to an old gaffer, sort of being called in? Is there a bit of pride? You know, he's got me in to do a job for him, kind of thing. And you know, does it make you more steely towards the cause? I think it, it, what it makes it easy is one, he knows what you can and can't do. Um, yep. and he has that faith in you that he's, he's actually brought you into another club again so I think it gives you a boost that way plus the other thing about that is you know how he works and what he expects yeah. of you and I think that makes it a little bit easier because and how much does know, that make and, sorry do you think that helped make a difference to the Wolves team to actually for, for Mark McGee to mould the team in his own way in, in the way that perhaps Holloway's doing at the moment with Palace and and bringing in the aforementioned players do you think you know that's that's the whole reason behind it yeah, partly that, but I think it's like I said to you, you've also got to look at players that are available at certain times, isn't it? Obviously, I've been down to play yeah. a few times before, um, and you're looking at it, and you know, Glenn Murray's done fantastically and got loads of goals, but then sometimes you're looking at times and thinking, I could just do a freshen someone up here and getting a goal, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, he's looked at it, what's out there at the moment, how much money has he got available, we, you know, we can't answer them questions, can we? But no. if a player becomes available that you think can do your job, get your goal for 20 minutes, then certainly you've got to go and take it, haven't you? 
What's your um, take on the transfer window? What's my take on it? Do you think it's a good or bad like idea? It. I don't particularly like it, if I'm honest with you. Um, I certainly think that it puts selling clubs most certainly in great positions. Buying clubs, I think it puts uh, on the value of some players that I don't particularly think are worth that kind of money. But when clubs are in a, in yeah. a position and they're desperate and you're in a, in a decent position or you're in a relegation dogfight, it, you know, it forces people's hands. Uh, and yeah. I don't think you know, that that's financially viable going long, long term, really. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, it, I don't, it doesn't seem to me, everyone you speak to, anything, you know, any football fan or any, anyone involved in football doesn't seem to like the transfer window in any way. It's just begged the question to why it's actually there. But, um, um, so kind of, I mean, once once you left Wolves, really, you had um, sort of longer spells with uh, both sort of Gillingham and Walsall, I think. Um, and I, yeah. it was it was at Walsall you sort of got your first sort of move, I'd say, into the non-playing side. Where you, you were assistant to Paul Merson for a while. I was really interested to find out what that experience was like. Entertaining, <laughs> <laughs> in a word. No, no. I, I mean, obviously, I came down into Gillingham and played down here at Gillingham for two years, and. Um, Really enjoyed that, you know, come back home sort of thing as such and, and played there and then and made my way back up to the Midlands where I'd sort of spent over six years. So I played back there, obviously Colin Lee brought me back in and then we made a couple of sales. Lee Sam was obviously signed and, and Paul Merson. Um, and we had a really, really good team at that particular time. And um, it just went a little bit sort of pear-shaped after Christmas. We was in a good position and we ended up in a relegation dogfight and, and actually went down that year. Colin Lee left. Uh, Paul Merson sort of got the job for a, for a few games and just asked me to help him out and then it went from there to the next season they gave him a job and I sort of coached him for a little bit and then sort of dropped out of it to concentrate on playing again and, and then went back into it again and then ended up as assistant so it was, it was like I said to you it was a real education and, and certainly something that I enjoyed um, it didn't particularly go as great as we would like it to but um, I loved it you know I loved the, the day-to-day coaching and it was difficult making a transition when you're still playing to, to a coach straight assistant, but um, no, I enjoyed it. I loved it. You um, so you, you kind of um, moved into non-league. Joe Hollyoke um, in the chat room, wholeradio.net/slash/chat, as well presenter of this show on occasion, um, is a mad Cray Wanderers fan. So he wanted me to ask you about your your winning goal that won them the, won them the league. Yeah, we won the playoffs. It wasn't the league. We, uh, we oh, right, okay. Play. Yeah, obviously, I came out of it. I um, went from Wolverhampton and then basically just made the decision the kids were at a certain age that, you know, I was going to come home and home for me was back uh, around this way, the Bromley area. So we came home. Um, I ended up sort of playing for Bromley, managing Bromley, and then left that and ended up uh, playing back at Bromley, obviously, for Cray. And we, we, we snuck in, I think I joined them in about February. Managed to yeah. get into the playoffs of the uh, Ryman one, and uh, I managed to sort of get through to the, to the finals. And I managed to sneak a free kick in the top corner for the, the winning goal against <laughs> Net Police at Bromley, so uh, which took him up into the Ryman Prem. I think don't think Joe stopped celebrating that one. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's jumping up and down in the chat room as we speak. <laughs> he's dropped his dinner that he has at this time. He does usually eat bad now. Um, I mean, so what? I mean, last thing that uh, was available in terms of research on the internet was about you about being at the Irif and Bill and um, Belvedere. Um, are you still around that? Around that, or uh, I mean, what was no, the future? No, I'm, I'm literally up, um, uh, a week ago. A guy and I just, just um, basically caretaker manager at Margate Football Club, obviously in the Ryman Prem at this moment in time. So I've gone down there to just help out with the coach and assist him on match days because he's still playing. So. 
that's what I'm doing right at this moment in time. Obviously, I've gone down to Margate. We had our first game yesterday, unfortunately, lost one year away at Wingate um, and Finchley. But mm. um, I've been there a week, obviously taking a bit of training, uh, done a bit of coaching down there. And I'll, on the match days, basically, I sort of look after the match day to be fine. All right, excellent. We went to Margate pre-season and uh, they beat our development squad quite convincingly. It was, um, it's a good little club down there. It was first, my first visit pre-season, but it does look a good setup. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the future in, in coaching and what have you, I mean, obviously, I think you've got like a, a building business as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not mine. I work for, for a company based in, in Bromley, and we're obviously we're designing good houses and all sorts of stuff. So, I, I work with them at the moment. Uh, that's sort of you know what I do you know, Monday to Friday, and then. Mm. When I do coach, you know, I, I do get some pieces, so I, I still enjoy doing that. You, do you see your potentially in the future? Maybe you're getting sort of league league management or coaching or something like that. If I'm honest with you, no, I couldn't see myself going back into the league. Um, I, I'll flit around doing what I'm doing here and um, non-league and, and working. Not that I wouldn't. It's just you, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to break into. You've got to be lucky at certain times, um, certain times with managers that. That like you, obviously, entrust you, and a lot of that is based on that. You know, it tends to be that the managers have the same sort of um, setup that goes with them. So, like I said, if it happened, it happened. I can't see it happening. I wouldn't certainly go chasing it. Um, I love my football. Um, I love being around football still, and, and I still think I'm sure better when people watch me. But um, no, I can't see that. Fair dues. Well, that was. I've just got a question in about that as well, which is nicely timed and answered that. Okay, mate. Well, listen, we're going to uh, let you go with a final quick fire. I say quick fire. I'm not sure I can trust any of these people to be quick about anything they ask, but let's give it a go. Alex? Um, I have a little question. Uh, I'm going to make it quick. <laughs> you have a little what? Oh. The best game you've ever played in? Best game I've played in five final Reading versus Bolton, lost 4 Thank you. That, those weren't the list of quickfire questions that Alex was supposed to be looking at. Um, but never mind. <laughs> Nick, Nick, can you do the next one, please? Yeah, well, did Alex just ask who was the best player he ever played with? Who did you support as a kid? I supported Tottenham as a kid because purely simply because Dan Odell played for Tottenham and I loved Dan Odell. Okay, fair enough. Fair dues. Um, I've no idea if Mark's actually there. Um, I've got best player ever you've ever played against. Best player I've ever played against, Paul Gascoigne. And what was the best player you played with that my producers just deleted off the screen for no reason? Uh, oh, God, too many, really. Oh, probably Ian Wright. And Ian Wright, best you played with. Mm. Um, okay. That'll please, Joe. That will please, Joe. Um, and uh, hopefully Mark is looking in the right place. Mark, can you ask the final question on the list? No. What's your favourite <laughs> Palace memory, please, Simon? Favourite Palace memory, probably say promotion to the Premier League when we won the championship. And your favourite football memory? Favourite football memory, thank you. Liverpool life. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, mate, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I really apologise for the slightly chaotic nature of it. It's just how we do things. I've tried so hard to be It's not fun that way, isn't it? So you, don't gonna be too organized, you don't want to be too organised, gents. You look too, too professional then. We can't be doing that. <laughs> exactly. I might start to think I should be paid for this rather than <laughs> out of pocket. Listen, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, not just saying it for the sake of it. I genuinely I remember you coming through the, through the side and it's always good to see a youngster come in and you, know, you were one of my favourite players for, for a period of time. And then you left us and went to Reading. <laughs> Um, listen, mate, it's been Mr. 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 Nate told me. Mr. Nate told me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true, Mr. Notes. I'm blaming for something else now, ruining my childhood. But um, yeah, thank you so much, and all the best with everything you do in the future as well. Cheers for speaking to us. Thanks, Okay, I hope you all enjoy that, guys. Um, there was some absolutely horrific problems in the middle of that, technically. Um, hopefully, they didn't come across too badly. So, But I do apologise if any of that sport your enjoyment. Slightly sport my enjoyment. I'm quite angry, especially with Nick. But, I mean, let's, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about yesterday's result uh, against Charlton and, and what a fantastic day. It didn't start well. You know, obviously, that we, we all talked about it already. Listeners have, have mentioned it in conversation as well. Uh, we started very, very poorly. Um, I actually, I want to know, guys, before we start talking about the good stuff, why, why do you think it is? And it is, is a kind of um, a recurring theme. I'm going to start with, uh, with, with you, Nick. Why do you think it is we're starting games so poorly, so slowly? I don't know. We should be quick out of the box, shouldn't we? Should be quick out the box. It's, it was a, a, a new lineup yesterday. When when you look, it was like the first game of the season. We had so many different faces in there and different positions. And and I don't know. They just seemed to be a malaise around the place. Although we, you know, Huddersfield we lost, but it'd been a while since we'd lost a game during our blip. And I don't know. It just the, the first half seemed to kind of cement that kind of feeling that it was all going tits up. And um, you know, if if we'd have done this show. At half time yesterday, it would have been a completely different show, you know, with the band beforehand or whatever. And it's, it, it was, um, yeah, it's, it was just, thought, here we go again, do you know what I mean? But um, happily, we was proved wrong. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Mark, any, any differing opinions on why we start slowly or, you know, or anything at all? <laughs> uh, really. Yeah, no, I think actually that. Um, you have to look at the starting lineup, and I think that lately, for various reasons, we haven't been able to play a consistent eleven every week. You know, which would have been nice. And new faces—it's just you know players coming in on loan deals, short-term deals, injuries, players away on African Nations duty, and so on. It just—it you know—it must be hard training, and you know you know, new faces coming in and people leaving, people on the treatment table and this sort of thing. And I just think that's that's what's affected. And you'd had the Wilf Zaha transfer saga going on for a, a month or two. And I think all those things combined, you know, is, is just uh, is, uh, almost a recipe for disaster. And I think, you know, that showed in, in the Huddersfield game, definitely, and, and the first half at Charlton. That's fair. Absolutely fair. I, I don't, obviously... We because you're in such a such a run that we've you know and I you know want to reiterate I think we've just been really really unlucky in that run you know I've been reading a lot on the message boards and a lot of people have been getting extremely unhappy and wanting to find someone to blame but I know it seems stupid to say it but in a lot of games it's just been just been down to luck just been down to that the ball not quite falling in the right spot for someone or, or something like that and you can see it, it's just affected the confidence and then when you start losing important players to to injury and, and I think KG going out to the African African Nations Cup which ha- happily he'll be back but I think that was for me the turning point personally as, as well so uh, um, but obviously I mean the, I read a lot I mean yeah yeah but Chris I think there was a lot of especially after Huddersfield game and, and the, through the transfer window, there was a lot of people on social networking sites and so forth knocking Holloway, wanting Holloway out, you know, 
having a go at Steve Parrish and the owners and, you know, not spending the money for Wilf and not doing this, not buying this player. You know, everyone's a manager and potentially, aren't they, when they're watching the game and they can do it better and so forth. But I just thought, and then there was all this booing at half time, and then people were saying, well, we pay our money, we're entitled to boo and this sort of thing. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, but I don't see how that's going to benefit the team. I mean, the team must have known that they played poorly. Holloway must have been aware of that. You know, they came out second half. It was like a different game. And, you know, it's just... Uh, it's, Can you know, I interrupt that, so Mark? Fickle. People are so fickle. Yeah, go on. You, you're saying it was a different game when we came out for the second half. Um, lots of people are talking about Delaney's speech at half-time now. I've, I've kind of been away from the internet all day. Well, do you know anything about that? Uh, I, I can, I can. No, I don't. Do you? I, I can. I can, all I can say is what uh, Ian Holloway said in his his press conference. Um, it's one of his one of his best press conferences. Actually, I've got a few things I want to talk about in that. But no, the Delaney one wasn't one I'd actually had down. But basically, what he said was um, that that as captain for the game, obviously Delaney's role was was to give the halftime speech, uh, and he wouldn't reveal. He said, "I'm not going to reveal what was said." But obviously, the indication was that it was inspiring, and I and I think, I think as well, Delaney was was tweet, tweeting a sort of a, a Churchillian quote earlier that made me, me sort of laugh. But it kind of I can almost imagine him doing that. Uh, you know, he's exactly, he's exactly the sort of um, a, a, of player that I would kind of expect that from. I, we, you needed that when you. As as fans, when they walked off at half time, I know there was booing, and I really personally don't agree with it. You know, I agree with personal choice. I agree that people have a right to do as they see fit if they pay their money and blah 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 blah. But I just personally don't understand it, and I do not think it helped. And I've seen people saying on the um, message boards today that they think that obviously it had, a, had an effect. I think you'd probably find that the the tactical changes and the players, you know, self motivating probably had more of an effect than a few idiots booing and shouting stuff at Ian Holloway. But there you go. If, if people want to believe that they had an effect, then fine, whatever. I don't mind we won the game. But I, I just think, I think Damien Delaney epitomises what a, what a cap captain should be if he has effectively torn into them or inspired them in some way in that, in that half-time dressing room. And I think that's a fantastic thing. Um, and, and has made me think even more of him. Because I, I do rate the guy as a, as a great player. But do you think he's 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 kind of taken on the role of of Paddy McCarthy, hasn't he? Really, in that respect. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in in many ways, I, I'd like to see those two paired as a as a centre back pairing. I know, I know, Ramage hasn't done a huge amount wrong, other than for the for the opening goal, which is probably a good thing to bring it back to that. The opening goal with, with Ricardo Fuller, obviously, uh, ex Palace, didn't look like he could even kick a ball while he was at Palace, but um, just went on and had a, a pretty good career, but. You know, heading towards the end of that now, and um, and just to see a, a central defender back off to the point where he can just smash it in, you wouldn't really expect him to get the ball through Speroni at that angle, I suppose. But it, it was just the kind of goal we've been conceding. There was no real need for it to happen. It was, there was defenders just effectively watching and waiting and not doing, just not doing enough. Uh, and I would possibly speculate that maybe that's the sort of thing that um, that Delaney was perhaps arguing about but you know you, you basically you put your body on the line don't you you stop that shot no matter what happens you don't wait for it to to happen and I don't think Speroni was expecting to have to make that save and, and I think it told and obviously it gave them a huge lift and, and we struggled for the rest of that half it was um galling to be um on opposite the Charlton fans because they were loving it it made the victory all the more sweet at the end but they, they were singing your your shit and you know you are and actually 
We were, and I did know. Mm. But we soon put it up, and but it, it did feel like that. And I don't know whether it was because I woke up in a bad mood, or but it just felt like there was a malaise, and and we would, you know, capitulate quite a bit against this team. Yeah. Especially from, it was it was an amazing turnaround. So well done. And, yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. I, I, I do. Oh, sorry, Mark. I let, let you speak. I do. I did get yeah, a similar yeah. feeling, and it. But it wasn't. I have to say, it wasn't the feeling I got against Huddersfield, where I just kind of knew that that game we weren't going to score. It was more. I kind of because I had this thing in the back of my mind that is that the Charlton fans were enjoying it too much, and that they'd yeah. done that exact. They'd done that exact same thing. You know, with the with the game at the Valley, uh, they've been telling everyone on the message boards that Charlton were going to come and get Palace, and you know there would be would be shocked by the noise that their supporters made and that the commitment of the players would outweigh the commitment of our players. They knew how much it meant, blah, 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 blah. And now this time it was the revenge, you know, they should, oh, we should have beaten you at our place, we're going to beat you at yours, all that sort of stuff. And I yeah. kind of felt that that outweighed the, the, how poor we were playing. I kind of felt their stupidity outweighed that. Sorry, Mark. <clears throat> Mark? Mark? No, I was just, uh, yeah. What? <laughs> you had a point to make. I talked. I was over just you. saying. Yeah, no, no, it's right. All I was gonna put uh, say if if you were sort of like facing Holloway now, and you said to him, you know, the the deciding factors in that game. <laughs> Sorry, you just you completely disappeared there, mate. I was but... like gonna talk to him about it. Would would you? <laughs> All right, I was just saying. But would you not? Is there a roundabout? The microphone on the cord of his room. They're already picking him up when he goes past it. It does. It does sound like you've got your microphone on a turntable, mate. But um, <laughs> listen, uh, what was your question, man? Can you ask it again, please? I was just saying. <laughs> would you, if you were to? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to move us on. I don't know what's happening. Unfortunately, I think Mark's having some internet issues that he's not actually aware of. But I'm going to move us on very, very quickly. Alex, you were making a point. I uh, can hear you. I, just I know up. you can, but I think I'm giving up on you. I think, uh, Alex, you were making a point about Delaney and uh, and Paddy playing together. What, what was your theory? Yeah, I just think that <clears throat> they're very uh, dominant and they might clash a little. So sort of one goes up for the header and maybe the other one wants it and they could end up having a brawl to the death. So <laughs> that would be two Irish lads going at it. So maybe we have someone a bit more composed like Gabadon in with one of them, but you never know. Yeah, they are, they are quite similar types of players, I suppose. And obviously not just the fact that they're both Irish. It's more a case of... Um, they're both <laughs> full full thunder, really. It, like you can't have two people screaming their heads off at you know directly next to each other. I suppose. I think that I think they'd work well together personally, but it's an interesting one. Um, <coughs> oh dear! <laughs> just laughing at some comments coming in about the uh, the tumbleweed incident just then, but it's quite good. Oh dear! I'm actually I was angry, you know. I'm I'm trying my best not to actually laugh. Um, but uh, again, in terms of summarising the game and going back to that, the, the second half was a different game. Um, the, the point of discussion, really. I'm actually going to bring Barney in on this because I'm I'm scared of trying to talk to Mark because it's like he's on a delay. Um, Barney. Yeah. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah. Going good. You sound fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin Phillips. Yeah. Performance in general, and and what you think about him for the rest of the season. What what do you think of that of that 45 minute performance against Charlton? You know. I think with Kevin Phillips, when I, I, I was chatting to a couple of guys on the terrace yesterday and 
when I heard he come on, he was coming on, I could see him warming up. I thought, oh no, that was my immediate reaction. I thought it was a bit of an impulse buy initially. And to be honest, he was absolutely fantastic in the second half. Totally played a role that I didn't think he was going to be. He was really holding the ball up for, for Murray. And and really, you know, just kind of became that that player that I guess, you know, Williams was aiming for in the centre a little bit. And, yeah, I just thought he actually turned the game around for us. And he kind of, you know, going in on the first half, I we had no shape. We really didn't have a lot going for us. And then... You know, a few t- tactical decisions, Phillips being one of them, you know, we really changed. We seemed to have a bit of shape about us in the second half, which we totally lacked in the first half. Do you think, I mean, Nick, you want to come in on this. I mean, I was, I was going to totally agree with that. When you talk about the shape, uh, Barney, it was it was Phillips dropping deep and basically becoming an additional link. And obviously when Dobby then came off the bench and he was sort of occupying those sort of positions as well. And suddenly then Phillips had the opportunity to push up alongside Murray. So you saw the the chance that Phillips had was a was a header back from Murray. Now Murray's not really had the opportunity to header the ball back to anyone. It's been a case of you know I've got to get this ball down and get a shot away. But all of a sudden he had he had a, a guy up alongside him to head the ball down to. It was a good chance just before we equalised. And, and I don't uh, think it's that any... lovely little lob that he did that little lob pass yeah. that uh, Murray didn't quite connect onto. Yeah, that I mean that would have been the perfect almost the perfect goal, wouldn't it? Nick? It was it was just yeah you know pinging around kept possession for exactly long enough there was a moment in the second half actually and I'd I'd said earlier that I was all doom and gloom but there was a moment in the second half we were still 1-0 down but I turned and uh, Brenda stands next to me Dave Swindler's mother-in-law and I said we're going to win this 2-1 and uh, I guess there was a point in the second half we hadn't hadn't even equalised but there was a point I thought actually we're going to do this just the the difference was, was immediate wasn't it immediate it was it was immediate. Um, Alex, you wanted to make a point about obviously in the first half about uh, the position of Butterfield because Butterfield was the one who was replaced. Uh, what, what are your feelings on that? Uh, I felt absolutely disgusted that that man even pulled on a Palace shirt. In my purpose, really? in my honest opinion, I just think it's disgraceful. That man, I to me, looks like he couldn't give a crap. Really? He looked like he just did. He just looked like he did. He's here to get fit. He's here for one month. For me, he just looked like he did not give. Two craps! What was going on on that pitch? He was out of position every single time. Just horrendous. I don't. I don't ever want to see him put on a Palace shirt again if he's not up for it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'll get some opinions on this. I, I don't know if I would suggest that it was. Um, I don't know. I don't, any any lack of effort. I just think Ian Holloway said in his, his post-match press conference and said that the way that um, Charlton set up was. He sort of indicated it was something of a surprise in the they'd looked at our system and they'd basically had a, a central, well, he was a, he called him a centre-back playing central um, defensive midfield. He just sat in that gap exactly on the spot where Holloway wanted to play Butterfield. And he said it just that didn't work. It didn't work. They couldn't get the ball to Butterfield. Butterfield was never going to win anything in the air because people were playing it in the air. It's all those sort of things. That's where it broke down. And I think you're right for singling out Butterfield as, as the point where it broke down. But I'm not necessarily completely sure that... Um, he didn't he didn't challenge for anything i think there's a couple of times where he had man on and it was just so sloppy and jogging here and jogging there and backing off players and not even just like marrow and o'keefe but they they weren't (laughs) good in the first half but at least they got stuck in and they tried to put some tackles in he just sort of jogged around and wandered around for me in my opinion that is you're you're absolutely entitled to your opinion i 
oh, I, I rate him as a as a player, and I, and I kind of like I say, I can only I can only say I I I, I listened to Holloway's explanation of what was happening. And that sort of made sense to me. But, you know, you're, you're entitled to your differing opinion. Nick, you've got a uh, message in there from, from Paul again. Uh, yeah, he said, um, we're talking about the first half as if it was different at Huddersfield. It wasn't just 45 minutes against the Clowns. It should have been changed before the start of the Clowns, which brings brings about the whole, is Williams an impact player? Because, you know, he was sublime again yesterday afternoon. I can't ever remember seeing him get tackled. He just seems to run with the ball and he just seems to carry on with it. I don't know what he does. He's, he's completely different to Will. Willful, you know, showboat a bit before getting past people. But Johnny Williams just, just gets there, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he does. I mean, we, I was actually, I did promise at the pub that I would not mention Johnny Williams in any way, shape or form, but you've done it, so I'm all right to talk about him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's just said the same thing. We talked about it last week, and like, I, feel, I feel almost like I can't mention Johnny Williams because... I don't want anyone to realise how good he is. I really don't. I, I don't want... Because, um, I mean, he looks... He looks the complete player already. He, he, mm. No, I said it before, no one tackles him. No one ever puts a challenge in. Me and Joe were talking about <laughs> it the, uh, the Bolton game, I think it was. It's like... I mean, what, I don't know why. I don't know why they won't put a challenge in, but it's almost like they're mesmerised by him. He sort of, sort of dribbles on. He can go anywhere he wants on that pitch. He can play any ball he wants. Yeah, they just mm. haven't haven't got the the capacity to deal with him. And it's he is. If we can get him to a point where where Holloway's confident enough to give him nine minutes, and we kind of give him free reign of that final third, I, I, you know, I think we'll yeah. tear teams apart. I mean, it, it almost it almost kind of needs. Although Wilfred was very good in the last ten minutes, I thought I think kind of almost needs Wilfred to go to Man United and to to free up that space, and so we can see Johnny every week and alongside the likes of Dobby, who who obviously will be a Palace player at the end of the season but on a permanent basis. That's you know that's an agreed deal, but you know th- those are the sort of things that, that make me very very excited for our future. Still, just you know we're losing one amazing player, but we've we've still got a player. Who who could easily eclipse Wilf Zaha? I think in terms of I can't. I'm so angry as Welsh. <laughs> I really am. Alex is um, getting some uh, some verbal from uh, Ernie Ping Pong on Twitter. Uh, ridiculous mm. comments about Butterfield. I just thought I'd let Alex know. I but, think um, Alex Alex has said he likes to be controversial, so we'll give him that. He's doing Gel's role today. Yeah, it's so, it's honestly it's. Not- not that it's just me. I found I found it very insulting paying for my season ticket and then feeling as if someone on that pitch isn't giving me a hundred percent. I just don't think that's good enough. In I, my I, opinion, I I agree when that happens. That that is very much. I I feel the same. I always used to feel like that when we um when we played against Bolton under Sam Allardyce. I always felt like I'd been cheated out of money for a ticket to actually watch some something that was anti-football. But, but I, I, I don't agree that. They've, wait, wait. they've had exactly the same thing, but they've had 10 or 11 players like that. And they've <laughs> yeah, that's true, mate. Yeah. No, I listen, I, I, I don't agree with you, Alex. I know what you're saying, but I think, I, I think you're no, by no means the only person who thought that either. I really don't. Um, but I, I, I mean... And, and another one Joel goes on about is O'Keefe. Now, I, I, I've always had a lot of time for him, but I, I thought that the difference in Palace wasn't the players that were brought on. I think it was him going off. That, that seemed to be the catalyst. And uh, much really? as I like Keith, I, I didn't think he was 
he was there. How many balls? We, we were on the attack, and it was either him or um, Mara got the ball, and the ball would just go back to exactly the same spot on the halfway line, as if there was a cone there that they had a competition to see who could get it to that the pitch. <laughs> listen, listen, there is a point. I'm going to bring Barney on in this, because he's made a point as well about O'Keefe going forwards. But I'll, I'll just give you quickly why... Again, he's a, he's a player we've talked about recently. When he when he came back into the side, I became frustrated at his, desi- his seeming desire to to shift the ball away from himself as quickly as possible. Now, there's a role to play in that in somewhere where you where you're a, a midfield player who's there to sort of break up play and sort of move the ball along, short passing, you know, get keep the ball moving, kind of that role. But you know, you don't do that all the time. I genuinely felt that that O'Keefe seem seemingly since he's come back into the side. Has, has almost been struggling with confidence, you know, with a little bit of belief in himself about how to carry the ball, because you almost feel like it's the whole the old hot potato thing. Oh, I've got the ball, I don't want it. You know, I want to pass it on to the next man as quickly as possible, and that's it's not always the right move. And like you say, the easy pass sometimes is a pass backwards that you simply don't want. It takes the momentum out of the move. Uh, similar thoughts, Barney? Well, yeah, I mean, I think really, you know, going back to the comments made earlier about the shape, and you've just ended it really kind of on topic. As soon as we got the ball from the back, Speroni was putting it out and it was going into O'Keefe in the centre and the crowd was saying, you know, take it forward, give it a go. And he just wasn't getting it at all. He was just putting it back and it was like, yeah, it was it was really hot potato. He didn't know what to do with it. He wasn't having anything to do with the wings. You know, Charlton were trying to play the slow ball all, the, all first half and they were trying to play, you know, they were putting it up in the air and actually, when Palace put it on the deck and make it, you know, we've got some quick players in our squad. When they put it on the deck and they move it around, that's when we beat teams. It's no good, you know, holding on to ball, kind of, you know, really slow, laid-back football, you know, trying to break down teams slowly. We always get pushed off the ball in the midfield. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Do you think Marrow did a, a better job than O'Keefe in that midfield? <laughs> Don't get me started on him yesterday. I mean, the two of them together. I mean, I just yeah, it, they just they didn't have anything about them. They were just you know, it was panic. As soon as they got it, they moved it on. It wasn't a partnership, was it? No, no not at all. John, you know, I'm liking these differences of opinion because I, I I feel a little bit different. I, I sort of agree <laughs> on on O'Keefe, but I um. I mean, Marrow did the things that I want to say. I, I felt that Marrow played the Jednak role and O'Keefe played the KG role. And that's how it was in my head. So that's maybe how I'm not really, you know, maybe I'm, well, I'm judging it differently. So I, I kind of judged O'Keefe against KG and I judged Marrow against Jednak, okay? Uh, I felt O'Keefe. No, you can't judge yeah. anybody against Jednak. No, I know, I know. But you're I thought, lose that one. Uh, no, no, I wasn't, yeah, again, like I say, not in terms of actual ability. I wasn't, that was not what the judgment was. The judgment was the role, you know, the role, the tactical role in the team. And yeah. I felt that Marrow did the tactical role correctly in that he put in hard, hard, hard challenges on people. And he really did. He really does not shy away from a challenge. And I felt that he gave the ball to the people, you know, alongside him. That, that were supposed to be, you know, doing the up, doing the other parts of the game, you know, running with it or, or playing it out wide and getting it to the right players. Uh, but unfortunately, I think you, you basically where I come to sort of agree with you both is I think that they were both O'Keefe and Marrow were effectively trying to do that role. Because I felt O'Keefe should have taken on the role of trying to provide a bit more, bit more forward motion. And I think absolutely, praise you got to praise Ian Holloway to, for his response. He he was the one. 
he thought, you know, I've got this wrong here, or whether it was wrong or not, whether he said Charlton have got us right, maybe more than him getting it wrong. But I'm, I know what I need to do to change this. And all of a sudden, I've made two signings in the January transfer window. Um, and I've got the ability to change it. I don't have to bring on Jermaine Easter and Aaron Wilbraham. I can bring on Kevin Phillips on half-time for, for, um, for Butterfield, who's underperforming in a role that he didn't seem suited to play. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to completely change our shape. And it changed the whole game, as we've talked about. And it was just brilliant. It was brilliant to watch that second half because you mm. knew it was coming. It took yeah. a while. It took, you know, mid-70 mid minutes for, for Murray to put that chance away. But, I mean, earlier in the game, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have quite created that. And when you look at the amount of players that were in the attacking third when that chance is created and when the second goal is created, it's absolutely fantastic to see that we can now have that response. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need a bounce of breath. There's a sign of our season, though, wasn't it? Coming, down, uh, coming back from 1-0 down and winning. You know, yeah. that's a good omen. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think, though, the more we can do that, the better. Now, I'm really hoping, Mark, you've got your internet problems sorted out because we're going to need you for the watch in a minute. But very, very quickly, um, if I can sort of talk to you about... Um, well, I want to talk to Stephen Dobby, actually, uh, very, very specifically. You, you saw him for 16 minutes. Um, what, what did you think, think of him? Dobbin played well, I thought, for 16 minutes. Um, uh, like I said earlier, sorry, I'll fill in where he's not, not talking. Um, he's, uh, like I said earlier, you can't, you can't judge a player on, on 16 minutes, but I was, I was happy with what I saw of him. and He, he just gave us another dimension, and it, uh, it, I think it enabled Jazz, Jazz Richards to come forward a bit more as well. He seemed to be... Oh, hang on. I can hear a noise coming from Mr. Mark Ross. M Mark? No, no, this is ridiculous. That's over. It's over. Over. Sorry, Mark. You're gonna go. Um, listen. Well, uh, one, work still, he did. one last. I know it's really frustrating. Um, but anyway, look. Say so the um, the one last sort of thing I really want to sort of talk about. Uh, there's it's kind of a combination of things. I mentioned the the abuse that Ian Holloway got and, and what I thought of that and how I felt was kind of counterproductive. I understand what, to what point my people do this sort of thing but I thought his response in the press conference was hilarious you know as I took a bit of abuse I'm going to do the voice <laughs> took a bit, a bit of abuse from the crowd but have that wallop or something along those lines I just thought that's it's the perfect response you know almost uh, but I don't think I don't like the idea that a manager might feel he has to put stick two fingers up to it to any section of our support because of how they've how they behaved I don't think that's right I prefer the whole idea of, of a bit of unity and a bit of support from supporters but um given the options guys is a question to you all um i'm going to sort of start i'm going to go alphabetically i want alex to comment on it first and barney then nick I'm, i might try mark if he's there maybe but we'll, we'll try him last even though nm yeah i've got that right <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to get that wrong so this is the question given the options we made the way we changed the game from off the bench how do we approach that next game against what um, I think if you if you look at it, you've got to get either Williams or, or Dobby straight in there. Either one of those creates so many chances. I think if KG's fit and he's ready now that he's back, maybe we stick him in there. Jedinak either. I think I think we need to make sure we retain the ball in midfield, keep those tough tacklings, and then hit him on the break like we do it 
like we do it best. I know that's what Holloway's trying to change, but in my opinion, why change what we're doing best? Um, he wants to change the philosophy. Uh, Barney, what what do you think? What should we do next game? Do we do we try and start the game finish Charlton in terms of a style and uh, and tactics, or do we revert to our system? No, I think we keep going as we are. You know, I think we you know we we've established that we had two different teams out really uh, on Saturday's performance. You know, we've got to, we've got to make the plunge and just start with Williams. You know, he had passion at the end of the game, and he just was. You know, everyone I know goes on about you know how brilliant Zaha is, um, but I think he's 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 going to be that guy that's going to start running that central midfield a little bit. You know, let's let's try Phillips and Murray together at the front. And, um, you know, keep going as we are and, you know, keep it on the deck, really. And I can't emphasise that point enough with Palace. You know, it's no good lobbing it up in the air because teams like Watford are going to beat you again. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the worry. Uh, Nick? Yeah, I just got some uh, stuff from the chat room about that. Um, John, the programme seller, says we we have to go 4-4-2 and have Phillips and Murray up front. I'd, I'd argue against that. Uh, in the fact that, you know, Ken Phillips lasts the 90 minutes. Um, and he says Dobby and Williams in the centre. Um, Serial's come out with a whole team. I really can't be bothered to read for it all, but I'm sure he'll post it <laughs> on the necessary um, thread. Um, I'll move this on. I think that um, keep Williams as an impact. I think we should have um, Wilbraham and Easter up front. No, I'm joking about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we should... Um, it's hard. We, we, we want to be able to make Watford think, hang on, how are they going to change this? What are they going to do? Um, but we've got to attack them. And it's like playing in international, isn't it? It is the Italy B team. Is that right? I don't know. I'd stop listening to you, to be honest. Fair enough. Imagine if I'd read the team out. You'd have been asleep. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, no, I was just thinking about how to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson DeVille is a good way. Jackson DeVille, what a mascot. What an amazing mascot. If you haven't followed him on Twitter, it is at Jackson DeVille. Jackson spelled J-A-X-S-O-N. He loved it at Palace. He gave the char- showed his anus to the Charlton fans. Um, <laughs> perved over the cheerleaders, pretended to urinate on the goal line, upset the Charlton players. Everything you wanted to see in a mascot. It was fantastic. I'm not sure you'd be allowed to get away with that sort of thing every week, but I thought it was great. And having was looked it, at a few- uh, the walk behind the uh, Charlton sub. Yeah, just yeah. the swagger. The, just, the guy didn't even have a clue, did he? No, it's just so good. But um, yeah, yeah. And if I yeah, I mean that. It, I know people won't like the sort of American type entertainment side of things or whatever. But I thought you know, I thought it was funny. You know, hopefully most people have got a sense of humour about it. Anyway, I think we've done the best we could possibly do in terms of a Watford preview. Um, I'm gonna. Got some four-word reviews of the Huddersfield game um, from the time, and, and these are the sort of feelings that they were. I can quickly read them out. Ian Groom said, here we go again. I'm not going to read Aaron's out. It's ridiculous. And it's, yeah. Um, King B said, what a bloody disgrace. Um, Will Taylor said, look away, George Boyd. Obviously, we were still in for him at the time. Uh, Richard Harvey said, still in the playoffs, which is a good philosophical one. Um, and Dave Carr said, good, say goodbye to promotion. So there we go. We switched suddenly to switch to Charlton. Um, Patrick O'Connor with a game of two halves. Uh, Wayne um, has gone with Dobby cast his spell. <laughs> uh, Nigel Croucher, comeback kids are back. Uh, Dave Bailey says, man love for Murray. Uh, Ollie Bowell says, so much for booing. Like it. Uh, Barry Penfold, new signings change game. Samuel Margo, game of two halves. Dan King, strength in depth, fi- depth finally. Uh, Nikki Sorelot <laughs> says, love Dobby and Phillips. Uh, James Hirchfield says Kevin Phillips, Stephen Dobby, simply his four words. 
Uh, we got some predictions for the Watford game, which we're going to do. Um, unfortunately, we've lost Mark, and he's done all the work for previewing the game in terms of Watford's form. All I can really remember is that they're on good form, uh, and we're going to have a hard time beating them. But Dave Carr's gone for a 1-1 draw. Andrew Bloss has gone for a 3-1 to us, head in brackets, head is 2-2 two, two draw. Steve Ives says, reckon 1-1, one, one, but we play like we did in the second half, we'll sneak it 2-1. Steve Ives, uh, I've got that twice, brilliant. Uh, Johnny Gribbin says, 3-1 to us, uh, with nine of their players on international duty, mainly Vidra. Hmm. Is that true? Or not actually the case? I don't know, are you joking? I'm confused. Uh, Daniel Credle says, a 5-0 win. Brad Kev says, 3-1 to Palace. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, Alex, yes. what? Yes, it is. It is true. No, it's real. Really? Nine players on international duty? Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. Apparently hmm. so. That's what I heard the other day as well, but I don't know if it's true or not. But I know Vidra is definitely not there, which is very good news. Happy days indeed. Thanks, Alex. Um, Nigel Croucher says 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Phil Morgan says 2-2. Two, two. Dave, uh, that's Corson Eagle, says 2-1 Palace. And I noticed one from um, Tony Johnson earlier. He said he's going for a Desmond, which is also a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, we had a few uh, other notes in. Um, a few other questions, unfortunately, we didn't get to. But thank you to um, Daniel, Palace fan Dan on Twitter, and James Sorby, Red Hot Jilf. I like that one. It's a na- username. And also Jerry for his message on Facebook, which is pretty much a, a concise <laughs> um, uh, summary of the week that we may as well just read out to... To actually complete the show, but is, well, he, uh, is that on the um, the Homesdale page, Chris? Yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people can pop um, over there and read it. They can read it on the Homesdale page, but basically, he quite rightly points out that we've now got a plan B. And as always, Jerry is correct. So thanks for that. Anyway, cheers for listening, everyone. Thank you very much to Simon Osborne for his time. We'll be back again same time next week. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.